If you would, turn in your uh, Bibles, whether the Pew Bibles and the ones you brought with you to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, we're going to look at verses 8 through 19 uh, here this morning. Uh, this is the uh, chapter where uh, he started out, the author started out to saying, this is what faith is. It's one of the clearest uh, definitions that we get regarding what faith is in the Bible. And basically we saw it how it is this massive certainty of the things of God. This assurance, this uh, conviction that the things of God, God himself and his promises are absolutely true and they invite our response, our believing response uh, to them. And then he goes on to talk about great men and women of faith in the, in the scriptures. This is what, it's, what faith is, a partial definition, if you will. And then this is what faith looks like in the lives of individual people, which is how we really learn uh, through faith and understand what it is about. And this morning we're going to think about Abraham uh, in his faith. There's a lot of space in the Old Testament given to him perhaps more than uh, any other saint, uh, and there's a lot of ink spilled here uh, that the author of Hebrews gives uh, for him. But before we read the passage, to, to think, why does he spend so much time talking about faith? Uh, why not just, you know, a couple of quick verses, this is what faith is, and you need to be faithful, and then move on. Well, part of this, that the audience that he's writing to, the people that are receiving this letter, we've called it a sermon, if you will, that these people are struggling. Some are being persecuted. Some are in jail. Some have had their stuff taken from them. Uh, some are, are feeling the pressure not to associate uh, with these with, within this community. And so to say the least, uh, for these believers, uh, there's this, this feel of, this is not what I signed up for, okay? I want to believe in Christ. I want to be a Christian, but this is not what I expected uh, when I saw who Christ was, and I started to be a follower and disciple of him. And it's like the the author of Hebrews is saying to them, and he's saying to us, persecution, difficulty, hardships, hard times in life associated with being a Christian are not new. Uh, They've been as old as there was a relationship between man and God, that there are always going to be difficulties. And he says, look at these men, look at these women, see how they persevered in faith, and he writes them to encourage them, to, give, to equip them. This is what it means uh, to follow him and to, and to walk by faith in perhaps the, the circumstances that you're facing and going through. So with that being said, let's take a moment, let's stand and read God's Word together. I'm going to read starting in verse 8 uh, through 19. Let's hear it. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had been the promise, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their, of their own. 
if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who, was, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his own one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. This is God's word. It's absolutely true and given to us in love. Let's pray together. Father God, would you, uh, in these moments, would you be pleased with the meditations of our heart? Would you show us and instruct us? We ask in Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. I want to jump right into this passage because there is so much for us. There is a, a wealth of information, if you will, and probably more specifically, the life of Abraham and how it's tied to faith has much to teach us about the nature of faith in our lives. And so with that being said, I think there's three principles of faith that I want us to, to look at from this passage. Three principles that we learn about the nature of faith, the character of faith in our lives. And those three go like this. The first one is that faith is response to God's call, or faith is a believing response to who God is. The second thing is that faith is always looking forward. It's looking and it's focused upon the promises of God. And the last thing is this, faith is how we endure testing, okay? Faith is how we endure testing. We're going to flush each one of those three principles out, starting with the first one, how faith is a response to God's call in our lives. Look at verse 8 again. The author writes, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And this verse 8 is pointing us as readers back to Genesis chapter 12. He's saying to us, remember what God did in the life of Abraham. Remember how God appeared to him. God basically showed up to Abraham and he said, go, leave. And I want you to go to this place, but I'm not going to tell you where to go. And Abraham did it. Abraham left. Abraham left the, the, familiar, his, the familiar culture, the familiar home, the familiar routine, the familiar family, the familiar friends, the familiar economy, all that stuff. He just left, responded to God's call. And it's not like God told him where he was going. This is what your new situation is going to be like. This is what your house is going to look like and what your job is going to look like and how your family is going to prosper and what it means for your kids. None of that. It was just go. And as you're going later on, I'll tell you where you're going and what that's going to look like. And so I think we pull from this that, that faith is responding to God's call. One of my favorite uh, preachers to, to read, because he's, he's passed away, you can't really listen to him, was a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones, who, whose ministry thrived in the mid-20th century, I think World War II and a little bit beyond, in London, England. And before he went into ministry, uh, he was a doctor, medical doctor. And uh, he was young, but a lot of aspiration in the medical field. He, he would describe himself as a Christian. He would call himself maybe a nominal Christian, a believer for sure. But he wanted to be a doctor. He wanted to be a good doctor. And by all accounts, he would have been a good doctor. Uh, he wanted to, to climb the ladder. He wanted the status. He wanted the comfort that went with that. He really wanted to succeed. In the beginning of his... Uh, 
beginning of his career, he met uh, or became friends with another doctor. This doctor was about 20 years older than him and 20 years farther down in his career and as a physician. And this doctor suffered a tragedy. Uh, the girl that he was dating or the woman that he was dating passed away suddenly. It's probably the woman that he was going to marry. And she was just gone. And understandably so, it, it rocked this doctor's world. And one day this doctor came over to Lloyd-Jones' house or apartment or wherever he lived, and he just said, I just, I just want to be here. I just want to sit. And there was a fire going at, in his place, in the fireplace there, and this doctor friend of Lloyd-Jones just sat in a chair and stared at the fire. Didn't say a word for two hours, just looking at the fire. And when Lloyd-Jones saw that and saw what was happening to him, it, it shook him. And through that moment, he felt God's call in his life. He wrote this. He says, it shook me to the foundations. He says, I saw the vanity of all human greatness. I realized that all the success in the world, all the status in the world, all the education in the world, all the money in the world was insufficient to face life. Now, again, Lloyd-Jones was not looking down on this guy and saying, what, what a wimp, what a weakling. Understandably, he was upset and, and, and gravely disappointed about what had happened to him. But in those moments when he saw his friend who had achieved so much, he saw that all that was insufficient to deal with life, to deal with the challenges that life had for him. And in that moment, through that experience, he felt God's call in his life, that he needed a believing response to God. Now, when I say call, don't think a call into into the ministry or to move to Africa and live in a tent and eat food with your fingers, okay? I'm not talking about that kind of call, but a call to faith, a call to to a believing response to God, a call to a a personal relationship with God where he becomes the ultimate thing in your life. It's why Abraham was able to leave, because he heard this call. He heard God speak into his life in such a way that he was able to leave. He was able to move away from that. Now, some of us think... Faith as a calling, we hear that. On one level, we, we get that, we understand that. It's something that God does within us. But at the same time, there's, there's a tension maybe you feel, and I feel it all the time. I, I want to follow him. I want to respond to this call day in and day out. But I don't want to get too close. This sounds a little bit too risky. What if he asked me to do something that I'm completely uncomfortable with? Something that I'm going to get over my head or it's going to be disastrous or something's not going to work out or I have to do something that I just don't want to do, okay? What do you do with that? Well, think about it maybe like this. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount uh, talks about following God, following himself like this. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And later on in Matthew chapter 16, he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life will find it. In other words, if we're going to follow him, we have to come to the point where we say to ourselves, my life doesn't matter. My life doesn't matter. Uh, All these things are important and they're necessary. Family, vocation, job, and all those things are are necessary. But they don't matter in the sense of they're not going to govern me. They're not going to rule me. They're not going to tell me what to do, so to speak. You have to come to the point in your life when you're able to say, you know what, my circumstances don't matter. All that matters is God. 
if he is true, if it's true that he really loves me, true that the cross is real, that he died for me, it, it begs our wholehearted response. How is it that Abraham was able to leave? How is he able to have this believing response to God where God said to him, I want you to go, leave the familiar, leave your family, leave your friends, leave it all behind and come and follow me and I'll show you what's going to happen. The only way he could do that was to come to the realization my circumstances don't matter. All that matters is God and God's going to provide. I may not know the specifics and I may not know all the details. I may not have signed a contract listing out what he's going to do and what I'm going to do, but I trust him. I love him. I know who he is, and he's able to respond to that call wholeheartedly. Second thing, uh, this is, we looked at faith is responding to God, responding to his call in our lives. Faith it looks ahead. This is the second thing. Faith looks ahead. It's always thinking about the promises of God, always thinking about who he is and what he's able to do and what he's ultimately calling me towards. And I get this from a couple verses here. Look at verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. Look at verse 13. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. In verse 16, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Do you see the pattern there? Uh, They didn't get what they expected. They didn't see the, the complete fulfillment of all the promises that were given to them. But yet, they were still able to navigate the challenges that they faced. And the reason they were able to do that is because their faith was looking ahead. Their faith was looking at the foundations that God had established for them. The city with foundations. In other words, they came to the point in their lives was, that is my foundation. That's my security. That's my identity. That's what I'm basing my life on. That's my rock, so to speak. All the other foundations of the world things that the world has to offer me, they're not going to support me. Circumstances aren't going to support me. They're going to disappoint me. This is going to disappoint. This is going to disappoint. But only the the city, that foundation is the only thing that's going to hold us. I've heard it compared to this. A couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, our family went to a park, St. James or James Island, and uh, great swing set, great stuff for the kids to play on, open space to to run around on, a walking path. There's a big pond there that you could even fish out if you wanted to. You had a dog that could go swim in there. Great place to hang out and visit for the day. But the problem would come if if we said, you know what, this is so great, we want to live here. That's when it would get ugly. If we started living in that park, it would be completely trashed. It would be completely awkward after a period of time because what? It's not meant to sustain us. It's not meant to, to be lived there. It's not meant to, to, to put down roots there and have everything revolve around it. And it's like Abraham is saying to himself as he meets all the challenges that he had to encounter, read about him in the book of Genesis, what got him through that was the city that he was ultimately living for, the foundations that he had rested his life upon. It's like he was walking around saying, this area, this world is like a park to me. It's, it's not my ultimate home. I'm a visitor here. I'm even a stranger here. But I can endure it. I can move through it. And I can even enjoy it because of the world I'm guaranteed, because of the world I am promised, because of that foundation. In the New Testament, we call it what? That we're citizens of heaven. That that's our ultimate home. That's our ultimate place 
that we're connected with, that we live in light of. That's the ultimate foundation that we have. And as you can imagine, to live like this, to live with a focus on the promises of God before us, that, that those promises are our foundation, not the circumstances around us, takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of being intentional. It takes a lot of remembering and understanding and reminding ourselves. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been talking about, that whole sermon about, this is what it means to follow me. This is what it means to be identified with me, and this is what you can expect even. And then he gives them a, a parable or a story or an illustration. He says, imagine a builder. He can build his house in two places. He can build it on the sand, but if he builds it on the sand, he's going to be hating life someday because the storm's going to come, the wind's going to come, and it's going to ruin and crash everything around him. Or he can build his life on a rock. He can build it on a permanent foundation. He can build it on something that's going to sustain, that's going to last through whatever circumstances, whatever difficulties come your way. And the author of Hebrews is saying, if if you want to endure the challenges of this life, then you've got to build your house, so to speak, on the rock, on a firm foundation. Because if you build it on anything else, it's going to crumble If you build your life on things like your family, they're going to move away someday. They're going to move out, they're going to get jobs, they're going to get married, and they're going to have their own children. If you build your life on your hobbies or or your health even, it's going to fail you someday. That's the sand that you're building your life on. If you build your life on status, on money, on stuff, it's like sand because someday that stuff is going to dissolve. Someday it's going to go away. Or you may run into a situation where you can't participate that, participate in those things anymore. You're building your life on sand. And the reason Abraham was able to endure is because he spent time building his life on a firm foundation, the foundation of God, the foundation of God's city. That's how he's able to meet all the things that came his way. And some of you may be thinking, I feel like I'm on sand right now. There's situations in my life that I'm identifying with, and I'm I'm building on God's doing things in my life that are rocking my world, what what do you do with that? Where do you move forward in light of faith, in light of following and trusting Him? There's a story of a lumberjack that I heard that I thought was very helpful. This lumberjack goes to a forest, and he's got to cut down all these trees, okay? It's old school. He's got to use an axe, okay? So he's going to cut down all these trees, and he looks up, and he sees this bird's nest, up, in the, up there in one of these trees, and a mama bird up there, healthy, and got her little chicks in there. And he says, well, we're going to cut down these trees, and I don't, want, I don't want to take out this bird. And so he takes the back of his axe, the, the, the blunt part of it, and he starts whacking the bottom of the tree, the base of the tree. And the bird looks over, says, what are you doing? He's getting angry at him, you're giving me a concussion, I can't take this anymore, and this guy's just whacking this tree. So she packs up her stuff, and she goes to another tree, builds her nest there. Lumberjack sees it, goes over, starts whacking that tree again. Mama Bird's like, what are you doing? Why are you causing me all these problems? Why are you harassing me like this? Why are you doing this to me? Goes to another tree, and finally, the bird goes to a mountainside, goes to a rock, and builds his nest there, and the lumberjack's done. Why did lumberjack do that? Because it would be it, the only compassionate thing to do was to, to warn that bird that said, you can't build here, you can't build there. If you keep building here, it's going to be disaster for your life. Maybe God's doing that to you now. Maybe you're in circumstances where you know you're on sand. 
and you're feeling the storm, you're feeling the wind, you're feeling the rain, and you feel like things are just starting to dissolve. And maybe he's saying, there's a rock, there's a foundation, there's the city of God that you can build your life around and be looking at those promises to sustain and uphold you. The last thing is how faith is how we endure testing. Faith is how we endure testing. Hebrews reminds us, and starting later on at the end there, how God tested Abraham. And it may be one, the, the one story you remember about the life of Abraham. Abraham, as it was said to him that he was going to have this child, and he ends up having Isaac after years and years and years and years of being barren. They finally have this son. That's going to be the blessing. He's going to be used by God to, to create this grand nation, and it's going to be awesome because of the blessing that he is. And then God comes to him, probably when Isaac is a teenager, and says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to make him a burnt offering to me. And as, we, as readers, we know that God, and it says very clearly that God tested him. God tested him. What does testing look like for us today? What does it mean to be tested by God? I, I'm willing to bet that nobody's going to be asked in this room to sacrifice as a burnt offering uh, one of their children, okay? You may want to sacrifice your cat, but probably not to this degree. Nobody's going to be asked to do this kind of stuff. For how are we tested today? Well, think about it uh, like this. I've heard it explained like this. Go back to verse 17 and 18. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. And here's the thing. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Even though God had said, that's the testing. That's where the test comes in. Abraham or Isaac was going to be this child of promise. Great things are going to happen to him. And then God comes to him. Okay, remember that thing I told you was going to be a real blessing in your life? I want you to sacrifice that. And that's the test. It's when those things contradict one another. When there's a tension between those two things. Abraham's thinking, the blessing is the son. The blessing is Isaac, and you promised this would happen, and now you want me to sacrifice that. You see the inconsistency. You see the tension that's there. And think about what it looks like for us today to experience this kind of testing. Take a step back like this, okay? Think about all the great promises we get in the Bible, okay? Luke 21, in the context of persecution, Jesus says, but not a hair of your head will perish awesome promise. In Ephesians 3, chapter 20, it says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Amazing. In Philippians 4, 19, it says God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory. And so here we have these great promises that God is going to bless, that he wants to do incredible things in, in you, through you, as you walk with him and as you know him. But the tension comes, the, the, the testing comes when you encounter a circumstance where you feel like you're being pulled off that path of blessing, when you're being pulled off that path of blessing. Maybe you think about it best like this. Let's say you're in a, in a work situation, and in that work situation, you know something um, inappropriate or unethical is going on, and you're being pushed to lie about it. And if you lie about it, um, there's going to be continued blessing. But if you don't lie about it, that may take you off the path of blessing, so to speak. You may lose your job. You may face financial circumstances. Do you see the testing there? 
Or you think about a, a young adult is in a dating relationship and the, the, the other person that they're dating is like, you know, they know that sex is only inside of marriage, but they feel this tension. If I don't do this, if I don't go further physically, then I'm going to lose the relationship. I'm going to lose the blessing. That's when the testing comes. And so as here is Abraham, God, you're going to bless me. You're going to do all these things great through me with this son you've given to me. But now you're asking me to give him up. You're, you're taking me off this path of blessing. You're taking me away from being closer to you. It just does not make sense. But that's the test. Think about uh, how he responds to it. How does Abraham endure it? Real quickly. In verse 19, it says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. He reasoned that God could do this. It's like Abraham took a step back and said, okay, I know, the, I know the promise. I know about the son and how he gave me that. I know what the son is going to be used for and what God's going to do. And I know what God is asking me now. And the way he put those things together was to understand that this is what God can do. This is who God is. He saw the whole picture. He's the creator of everything. He's the creator of all things. He's the God that has done all these incredible things in my own life and redeemed all my situations and provided for me in all these different ways, miraculously, incredibly. If he's done that, then I reason that somehow he can redeem this situation. He's asking me to do this. He's in control of it. He's not being malicious. He's not being mean. He's not being indifferent. But he has something for me, and so I'm going to trust him to redeem it. And that's what we do when we face those moments of testing. It feels contradictory. It feels if I tell the truth, this feels incredibly awkward, and it feels like it's just going to be doom and gloom if I do this. But yet when we do it, we're trusting that he's going to redeem it, that he's going to be faithful to us somehow in this process. But not only do we see in this, this story how Abraham is pushed to see that God has the ability to do it, the last thing, and we'll close in prayer, is we see in this passage how God has the love and the care and the fatherly love, if you will, to do it in our lives. We cannot read this story, sacrifice of Isaac, watching a father take his son up a mountain, lay him on a stack of wood, and hold a knife over him, and not read it from this side of the cross, this side of the New Testament, and think about our Heavenly Father. Just as Abraham walked his son up the hill, we think about God the Father walking his son up the hill. And just as Abraham laid his son on a pile of wood, we see God the Father laying his son on a pile of wood. But the difference is this, Abraham was told to stop. God did not stop. He sacrificed his son. And in that moment, and in that news, we can never doubt God's love for us. When we hit those periods of testing, when our circumstances feel like they're upside down, we feel like we are sinking in that sand, we feel like the foundations are rocking and crumbling, when we feel like this, yes, I want to follow you, but... We can look at the cross and say, God loves me. Before I even thought about him, he loved me. When I was doing this, he gave up his son for me. And it ends the discussion of whether God loves you. And God's promises and God's act tell us that he's able to meet all of our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And so will you hear that call of faith? Will you have a believing response to him? in the life and the circumstances that you're facing. Let's close in prayer. Father God, faith 
It sounds easy, but it takes all of our lives. It takes all of who we are. Would you give us the grace to trust you, to believe you, to hear you speaking to us, to hear how you want us to be identified with you in a saving way? Would you give us the grace to build on the foundations that are you, that are your promises? This world offers all kinds of security, but those are false foundations. You are the only one. Father, help us. Help us to trust you and to love you, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.